worship. Take a seat if you wish. I'd like to welcome you here this morning. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. So if you're a guest and you have joined us here this morning, we'd love to have a record of your visit if we're not able to meet you face to face. And, and uh, there should be a card right in front of you in the pew right in front of you that says communication card. If you would just take that, fill that out, drop that into the basket on your way out that says offering on it. Uh, as you're offering this morning, we'd love to be able to reach out to you this week, pray for you, 
and see uh, if there's anything that, that we can do for you. So, from John, the third chapter, as John, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he says that as Nicodemus is asking him, what must he do to enter the kingdom of heaven, to have eternal life? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And the Spirit does as it wishes. It goes as he uses wind to describe the, the motion and the work of God's Spirit, that apart from the God the Spirit bringing life, we, we do not enter God's kingdom. God brings us to salvation. And Jesus is saying that salvation is a work of God that the Spirit applies in our lives. And so we have the privilege again this morning to witness, to witness two young people coming forward, uh, giving their lives, who have given their lives to Christ, and who are coming in recognition of God the Spirit coming and changing their lives. And so, so it's a great privilege to witness and to rejoice in what God has done. And so in a moment, I'd like to pray and ask the Lord's continued blessing on our time uh, and on this moment together, but also by way of announcement, want to let you know of things going on this evening. And so we'll be back together this evening for our first time together at six o'clock, uh, family worship together here in, in this room. And so that is six o'clock this evening. Everybody is welcome, all family, come on, and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time together. An hour before that, at 5, the uh, children's ministry it will be having a, a meeting together uh, at 5 o'clock over in the gym to discuss uh, the, the summer and returning and different activities and things. And so uh, parents, you're welcome to come join for that. And uh, there, will be, there will be activities set up for, for the kids during that time also. So that's this evening at 5 o'clock. All right? And then at the end of our time together membership... We'll be having a business meeting to, uh, to approve the, the budget for the next year and also to affirm uh, deacon nominees for this next year also. So that will be directly following our time together this morning. Alrighty, business out of the way. Now let's pray and uh, continue in worship. Father God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the life that you have given. That Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life. And you tell us to come, to consume, to t partake of your your body, your blood, to, to trust fully in what you have done on our behalf. And so, Lord God, I thank you for that gift and ask your help this morning that, Lord, your, your word would resonate within our hearts, that we, God, would hear you clearly of who you are and what you have done for us. That, God, you would draw us by your spirit to faith in your son. That, God, we would come before you trusting in you that your spirit would then bring about if we do not know you, reformation, rebirth by your Spirit. And so, Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for your gift of grace. And, Lord, I ask your help for your people here that they would be refreshed, renewed, and refocused upon you and what you have done through this time. And that, God, that you would move within us to rejoice, to rejoice over what you have accomplished in the two that are coming forward this morning. Professing faith, professing your work of grace in their lives. And coming forward to seek that they would be joined in your body and your people. Uh, so, Father, I ask your blessing. I ask your, your name to be glorified this morning that you, God, would be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, amen and good morning to you. And let me just uh, say uh, we have two ordinances that the church has given. Uh, one is that of baptism, which reminds us of the new birth. And it becomes our confession and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of the daily need for cleansing from our sins. So we're washed in the blood. It's pictured in baptism. We're daily cleansed by the blood. It is in that uh, regular uh, confession through the Lord's communion table. And we've got a privilege uh, this morning having two young adults come to follow the Lord in public baptism. And I'm going to ask Courtney Williams if she would come and join me. I've gotten the joy of getting to know Courtney probably better than a lot because you're getting ready to be married uh, to uh, Hunter All. Hunter, where are you, buddy? Right there. All right. It won't be long next month. You two are going to be married. 
Uh, and Courtney's, I know your mom and dad are out here, and there are others who uh, you've had a part in her life, but uh, she has trusted Christ as her Lord and Savior uh, years ago, but she has yet to follow him in a confession of her faith through believer's baptism. So, Courtney, are you trusting in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and that alone to save you from your sin? I am. Amen. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and on your public confession of faith in Christ, it is my joy to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism unto death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. And by the way, uh, her future uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law are the ones that are helping right up here. So I, you don't want to stick your head out so everybody can see you? Okay, all right. It's one of our deacons, Zeke, and we're glad you're here. Ty, Ty Wade. Uh, many of you who have, you've had a significant role in uh, sharing Christ, uh, walking Christ before him, uh, Mom and Dad have been faithful to live Christ in His presence. He's gone through our Awana. Uh, and there was reminded of his need to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And he did as a young person. But he's experienced what it's like to wonder, have I really been saved? And, and this past week, uh, in time with Zeke, uh, he confirmed in his heart that he is trusting Jesus as his Lord and Savior now and forever. Is that right, Ty? Oh, yeah. Okay. Amen. Amen? <laughs> All right. So in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and on your confession of faith in him, it's my joy to baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism unto death. Raised to walk in newness of life. So I hope you come back tonight. We're going to be talking about the joy of prayer in the evening service. And what you and I got to experience now is the joy of baptism. And may God just bless us and move us in this service today. Amen. What a joy it is to watch two fellow believers come and forward in baptism, a public confession of their faith. Um, it gives us the opportunity to encourage them in their walk with Christ um, as a church, as a body. So let's, uh, let's stand together as we remember why we can be baptized. Stretched out on a tree And 
precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No what a Savior isn't He wonderful? Sing Alleluia. Christ is risen Bow down before Him For He is Lord of all Sing hallelujah Christ is risen You know what to say gift of your son, Lord, that sacrifice, Lord, that we can have life in you, that we can, we can show your love to those around us, God. It is only by your grace that we can, that we can move, God, that we can live, that we can do any good. It is by your grace and your grace alone. Lord, I pray for Pastor Joel that as he comes to bring the word, God, that you will give us ears to hear, God, and hearts to understand. Lord, that we will leave this room, this building, better equipped to serve you, to show your love to those around us. God, better equipped to be your church. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Alex, for leading us in worship this morning. Hope you're able, uh, we're kind of starting back as you are seeing uh, on Sunday evening. Now, of course, next weekend is 4th of July weekend, so we won't have evening service then, but the following Sunday we will. And we're going to be looking at uh, some aspects of prayer. Uh, God's house is to be called a house of prayer. And uh, so what we'll be looking at tonight is uh, God's house of prayer is a house of joy, and we're going to 
look in uh, the 56th chapter of the book of Isaiah, which just might surprise you. That you mean there is joy and prayer listed in uh, Isaiah 56. Go home and read it this afternoon, uh, verse 7 in particular, you'll see. And uh, we'll be talking about that tonight. Be very informal. Uh, I'll be down on the floor. Uh, we're, we're unplugged musically, uh, so uh, it'll just be a little bit more laid back. We're really not providing child care unless you have just really, really little ones. And uh, we welcome you uh, to be a part of that. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, I do want to invite you to the book of Second Peter. Uh, we have been on a journey through the book of Second Peter, which is an extremely appropriate book for the day in which we are living. Uh, Peter is talking about, uh, don't be deceived that... Uh, the Lord has not returned and come and put an end to all the injustice and the wrong and the sin in the world in which we live. There's a reason behind that. And he tells us uh, that the patience of the Lord is for the purpose of salvation. And uh, we are coming to the close of the book. We are at the final words uh, beginning in verse 14 and, and uh, continuing down through verse 18. And... Uh, I want to read that text for you. There are four commands that are listed in this text. And uh, just want to see uh, if you'll find them while I'm reading them. So just challenge you. There, there, there are four of them there, and I'll recount them in just a moment. So God's Word says, Therefore, beloved, since we're waiting for these things. Now, let me parenthetically just say what are these things it's the it's the end time it's the coming of the Lord it's a new heaven and a new earth so while we're waiting for these things be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory now and to the day of eternity amen well there are four like I said there are four commands four imperatives that are in this passage of scripture back in verse 14 it's the word diligent be diligent uh, be about what God has called you as a child of God to be about and, and do it with great diligence don't be uh, careless about it be up to date on everything that God has asked you to do and then in verse 15 he uses the word count count the patience he's taking it's a, it's a word to think and to reason through count the idea that the Lord is waiting as not uh, that God is somehow untouched and unmoved by what goes on in our world. But his waiting is for the purpose of patience unto salvation. It is the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And God is being kind to offer again and again and again the gift of eternal life through his son Jesus Christ and then uh, there's the word in verse 6 or verse 17 to, to take care uh, to take care that you are not carried away so it's a it's an idea of watching after yourself so you don't fall into error along the way and then lastly in verse 18 is the word to grow and it's to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ guess what I'm only going to do one of them today. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to look at the first one this morning. And uh, I want to give due diligence to uh, what the Scripture has to say. So let's kind of go back to verse 14 
And, and let me read it again. Therefore, beloved, and so who is he talking to? He's talking to children of God. Uh, my, uh, my Hebrew professor used to use the, this term in describing beloved. Those born of the same womb. Because the, the word womb in the Old Testament for mercy or grace uh, is the same. So we're talking about being born of the same Father by means of the Holy Spirit who regenerates us. And we have one Savior in Jesus Christ. So we are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ through Jesus. So beloved, since you're waiting for the return of the Lord, what do you do? Well, he says, be diligent to be, and notice the language, found in him. He's, he, this is passive. This is not active at this point. It is a, an awareness that he is coming, and you and I are to be found in him, uh, diligent, without spot or blemish, and then he closes it again with at peace. Uh, it, it has this idea of being eager, the word diligence, uh, to uh, make every effort. It's translated in other places. Uh, it's found four times in Second Peter, back in chapter 1, uh, verse 5. It says, and for this very reason, make every effort. It's the same word in the original text. To add to your faith, to supplement your faith. And then he gives us uh, some characteristics of Christ to add to our walk. But he's saying, don't be careless about it. Don't be casual about your Christianity. God doesn't want us to come and simply warm a pew in a church building. A church is not a place. A church is a body of believers. It's an assembly. It's, it's a coming together. And there is fellowship at the very core. And our fellowship is around Christ. And this idea of fellowship is having communion, oneness with one another. So that we saw even in the early church that they helped one another out, didn't they? They came to each other's aid. And uh, that's what churches do. And so we're part of a family of, of the Lord. And so that's the idea that he's telling us there in, in uh, verse 5. And then in 2 Peter 1.10, he, he reiterates it. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. Uh, that's exactly what both Courtney and Ty were doing this morning. Uh, they had made uh, uh, a, a call to Christ for salvation at a young age, but there, there was not that, that sense of confirmation in their heart. And they have come to that confirmation. They have made their calling and election sure in Jesus Christ. So they could say that I know that my salvation is not based on my performance. It is based on the provision of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection from the cross. And you see, so much of Christianity or what's called Christianity centers around performance and not your position in Christ. And that's not the New Testament. Our position is we are in Christ Jesus. And so that's what he's referring to there. And then in verse 15 of chapter 1, he says it again. I will make every effort so after my departure to come to you to be able to recall. So you can recall these things. So remember Peter is saying to them, just like I told you in the first letter I sent to you. I'm reminding you. And, and that's what we've been doing over the last months is we've been reminding ourselves because we do forget, don't we? Forget things regularly, the older some of us get. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like sometimes, I don't, you know, I don't even know what's up and what's down. And uh, Peter says, I'm saying this to you again and again and again. Same thing, said in a different way, because you and I forget. And like Paul reminded us that uh, he warned the Corinthians, and it's a warning to us that we be careful that we not move away from the simplicity of devotion to Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's really a love relationship with Christ, is it not? At the very core of what it means 
to be a Christian. And then uh, lastly, we find it here in verse 14 of chapter 3 when he says, Be diligent to be found in him. Now, Peter was a diligent guy, wasn't he? Uh, Peter didn't sit around and wait for things to happen. Peter was going to do something. Rightly or wrongly, he was going to do something. But you might remember his story with Christ begins not with his diligence, but it begins with the Lord's diligence. Because it's the Lord who calls Peter. It's the Lord who comes after Peter. And so what God's looking for is not necessarily you and I coming today and saying, well, I'm going to be more diligent from here on out. But I'm going to be reminded, first of all, that I have a diligent Savior Savior who comes to seek and to save that which is lost. And our, our diligence flows out of that because Christ has sought after me and he has birthed me into the kingdom of heaven. I, I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm his child, therefore I want to follow him. I want to obey him. And when I don't want to do that, it's because of sinfulness that arises in my own rebellious heart. And uh, we don't like to admit to that, but that's the way reality is. Uh, Peter was pursued by his brother, Andrew. You might remember in John's Gospel, it says that Andrew came and got his brother Peter and said, Come, see see the Messiah. I've met him. Uh, You might remember Peter and his diligence when uh, they've been fishing all night. He's a hardworking man, comes to the next morning. It's time to wash the nets. Jesus tells him, throw the net out on the other side. And uh, Peter says, uh, Jesus, I know you, you know, created everything, but you really don't know anything about fishing. Uh, it's time for us to go home. And, and, and yet, what does Peter do? What none of the other disciples did. He threw the net out on the other side, and he sees the miraculous work of God, and he cries out, my Lord and my God. And so there's a great diligence in him, and I, I've got a whole list here. Uh, he's the one that catches the fish with the silver tribute in the mouth of the fish. Not any of the other disciples did that. Uh, he had determined he would not deny the Lord, and, and uh, yet he does. But there in the garden, what does he do? He cuts off the ear of the servant of Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, he witnesses the crucifixion of Jesus. He's there for the ascension of Christ. Uh, even when he departs and goes back to Galilee and goes back to fishing, uh, we see him passionate about what he's doing. He was a diligent man, but who diligently came after Peter? It was the Lord Jesus Christ that came and got Peter and restored Peter back to relationship. Peter was the one that preached that the uh, at Pentecost and five thousand men were converted. Peter was a leader in his church and. Peter lived his life for Christ. Peter died for Christ. Uh, So Peter has a reference point from which to say to you and to me today, uh, be diligent. But notice what it says here. Be diligent to be found by him. He's really talking about being prepared for, I'm going to use this word, imminent return of Christ. Now, what does imminent mean? It it means it can happen at any time. Uh, It's something that you know is coming. It's to be expected, but you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. I've never given birth to a child. If I could, I would, and make lots and lots of money doing it. Uh, But I can't do that. But my wife has. And I watch the imminence of childbirth. It, it comes when? <laughs> Whenever God says so. Uh, the doctors give you a date. When is your due date is the question that is often asked. Oh, it's such and such time. And when does that child come? Whenever they're good and ready to come. And, and you and I can understand that. We know the Lord has promised He will come back to this earth and He'll put an end to the unrighteousness and the injustice and the sin, not only of the world, the unbelieving world, but also He'll glorify His children so that you and I 
will never sin again. Praise God. That's an imminent return, meaning it can happen today. It, it, it can happen before we finish. What are you having for lunch today? I hope it's angel food cake. Amen. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? And I realize if you're young and you're thinking, I, I've got a whole lot of living uh, to go on, but nothing in this world can compare with the promises of what God has in store for those that love Him. i got to tell you, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. Oh, I want to see my Savior's face. Why? Heaven's a wonderful place. I want to get there, heaven. Yeah, never mind. I won't do that to you. It, it, it is. But, but notice to be found by him, uh, he says, we're to be found by him right, ready, prepared, uh, spotless, without blemish on us. The picture is of a, of a wedding and the groom coming uh, to see his bride and who among us envisions a, a bride coming down the aisle of the church building in a, in a tarnished dress or unprepared in a pair of shorts and cowboy boots on and you know a cowboy hat and hair pulled back in a ponytail and, and uh, I know I realize I've, you know, I've done some in like in a barn or whatever else uh, people have different ideas but you know, that's not what we envision of a wedding. What we envision of a wedding is a bride adorned in white clothing, clean and unblemished. And if we're going to do that, we've got to have regular encouragement, regular faithful encouragement. If we're going to be found by Christ in that kind of condition. Hebrews chapter 10, you're familiar with this. Uh, verse 24 says... "Let." Let us consider how to stir one another up, stimulate one another, encourage one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some. What's he talking about? He's talking about what we do here. He's talking about this. Church is not the way to heaven. Christ is the way to heaven. But church is where we fellowship together and encourage one another, exhort one another. Now, admittedly, church is where we're like Eleanor Rigby in Paul McCartney's song. You know, we we have our face. We put our we have our face on. We put it in a jar by the door. You know, we come to church with a mask on. That we we're hypocrites. We, which means to hide, to to cover, to pretend, to act. We do that. I do that. You ask me how you're doing. Fine. Is that real? Is that genuine? Where, where should we be able to say, uh, things just aren't going real good right now. Life's tough. You know, I got kids that are being disobedient, and I don't know what to do with them. Where, where do you take those questions to? Google is not the best answer, okay? It's the Word of God. And, and there's somebody who has maybe been down that road with you and say, if nothing else, you know what? I, I, I know what you're going through and just put an arm around you and you need some comfort and some encouragement. That happens at the, the church. And, and so uh, we're not to neglect our coming together. And it says, and all the more, even as you see the day, that is the returning of the Lord drawing near. You see, there's not, I, I hear people say, well, this has to happen or that has to happen before the Lord returns. And I'm here to declare to you, there's nothing in Scripture waiting to be fulfilled so that you and I can say, well, I know when it's coming. Because Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, nobody knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. And... Uh, and so uh, Matthew goes in, in chapter 24, Jesus is recording some of his last words to the disciples. And he tells us in this, uh, these illustrations, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will left. That's imminent, unexpected. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Uh, 
He says in verse 42, you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. If you had known, verse 30, 43 said, you would have done what? You'd stayed awake. <laughs> You'd be anticipating. I can't wait. If you knew he was coming today, if I could tell you with certainty at 6 o'clock this evening, we're not having church service, but we're having church service. Jesus is coming back. What things would you do today? What things would you get in order? And that's what he's saying. We need to live with that kind of expectation. But there is also this idea of being found by him without spot. By a regular cleansing. You know? Uh, my mother is 97 years of age. And uh, she doesn't want to take a bath anymore. I, I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of getting a wire brush and going after her. I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Because, you know, when I was growing up, if you skint your knee and it wasn't bleeding, don't worry. Mama was going to make it bleed. And, and, and it's because she cleaned it that well. She rubbed on it that hard. She wanted to make sure there was no dirt left in it whatsoever. And... Uh, there needs to be that kind of diligence that is given to our sin problem. When we sometimes take our sins and we dress them up, put bows in their hair and, and say, well, it's really, not gonna, it's really not hurting me that bad. No, nobody else really cares. It's only affecting me. It doesn't affect anybody else. And in the reality, it does affect what? Everyone. Everyone around us. And uh, so 1 John chapter 1 tells us that, in, that God's light and, in, and there's no darkness with Him. Now, if you're in the dark, do you know whether or not you're dirty? And the answer is no. But when you come to the light, what happens? It exposes the, the dirt. It, it exposes the blemishes. And so he says when we have fellowship with him while we walk, we cannot have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. Because when we do that, we're, we're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse 7 says, as he is in the light, we have this communion, this fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses or keeps on cleansing us from all sin. So that verse 9 says when we own up to it, and repent of it. When we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. It's a just cleansing. It's a righteous cleansing. And He cleanses us from how much unrighteousness? All of it. And it happens when we are diligent to make sure that we don't go one day, two day, three days, five days without spending time in the light a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and regularly coming to the fellowship of the saints of God and having our sins exposed. Now, you know, I come in with an angry heart. You probably can't see it. But it's something that happens by the Spirit of God that when I come to the fellowship of the saints and there's an angry heart, it's as if the Holy Spirit says, you can't continue like that and be in communion with your brothers and sisters. Now, admittedly, we can say no, 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 no again and again and again to the Holy Spirit and have calluses on our spiritual heart. And we need to break up the fallow ground of our own heart. And God may be asking you to do that today. There may be some areas of your life that you have said, well, you know, I don't have a prayer life Nobody really knows about it. I'm just going to act as if everything's okay. God has spoken to me about, oh, I need to daily spend time with Him, but I'm not doing it. Maybe today's the day to break up the fallow ground of your heart. What, what does that mean? It means take the shovel of God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to apply to the hardness of our hearts and break it up and soften it. That the Word of God would be implanted in our heart and bring forth precious fruit out of the seed of the Word of God. It also requires faithful obedience. As Paul was writing to young Timothy in chapter 6 and verse 14 of 1 Timothy, he said, Keep the commandment. 
It's interesting. Jesus said keep the commandments. But when Paul is talking to uh, young Timothy, it's singular. He says keep the commandment. And uh, what I understand from uh, people smarter than I, what he was trying to get to understand is remember how many commandments did God give us? Kids, children, young people. How many, God, how many did God give us? Ten. And so what did we do with those ten? We broke them. In some way, some capacity out of rebellion of our own hearts, we have broken them. And so when Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? Do you remember he responded, the greatest commandment is that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then secondly, it is like unto that, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And like I say, those that are smarter than I am say that really what Paul is saying here to Timothy is that they both are encapsulated in the commandment. Are you in love with your Savior? And let me remind you that John put it this way in 1 John. We love Him. Why? Because he first loved us and gave us his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. You see, to love him, you have to be born again by him. You have to be his. You and I truly cannot love God as he has called us to love him unless we are in relationship with him. I love my parents, I love my wife, I love my son, I love my granddaughters. There's, it's altogether different than for me to say, well, I love person X out there. You see, the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ calls us to a faithful obedience to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and being. Every fiber of who we are. And you and I have to make regular adjustments to that, don't we? We have to be recalculated. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a, it's not a rhetorical question right now. Okay? It's a real, genuine question. And I want you to point for me. It's okay, kids. It's okay to point. Which way is north? Point. Ah, I, I, I see a couple of, of people back here who know that's north. Okay? And y'all were pointing all different directions. Now, why did I do that? I mean, this, do y'all know the term cattywampus? This building is cattywampus. That means I am facing southwest right now. Okay? Behind me is northeast. It, it's not square, it's, it's just weird. Okay? Uh, how you put it on the, on the property. And my point is, it's easy to get disoriented if you don't know what north is. And if you and I are not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ through f- repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be rightly related. We won't know how to come for cleansing. We may think, oh, those waters up there cleanse me. And I, and I drink of this cup and eat of this bread and that cleanses me and it doesn't. Those are just merely pictures, symbols that remind us that it's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's His sacrifice in our behalf. And you and I need to be so diligent that we are regularly coming to that in faithful obedience to the Lord. And if we're not walking in regular obedience to the Lord, we're dirty spiritually. And we must come. Well, there's an abiding union with Christ. And I see that I picked one point, And I'm only going to get half of my one point done this morning. But that's okay, right? And it is by abiding in union with Christ. How do I be diligent to see that I don't tolerate the sin and the blemishes and the brokenness of spiritual rebellion against God in my heart as a child of God, it is because of abiding fellowship with Jesus Christ Himself. It is coming to spend time with Him. Uh, Jesus gave us the 15th chapter of John. Uh, If you've not read John 15 in a while, you ought to do it this afternoon. 
okay? Uh, Sunday is the uh, day of rest, okay? So that's what you ought to be doing. <laughs> Get your Bible out, read it. Remember what he said in verse 5? I am the vine, you're the branches. He who does what? Abides in me. And I in him, that one, brings forth much fruit. For apart from me, what can you do? Nothing. It's spending time with the real Jesus. Not the Jesus I made up. Because I don't know about you, sometimes the Jesus that I make up in my mind is not the Jesus of Scripture. He doesn't care. I might say that. He really doesn't, it doesn't matter to him whether I do this or I haven't done that. And what I've done is I've make, made God into my own image. And where do we get the correct image of who Jesus Christ is? From Scripture. So spending time with Jesus Christ on a personal basis requires us getting along with God with an open Bible and through reading the Scripture and praying back to the Father, you and I become reoriented. And we come into the light, and the light explo exposes our dirtiness, our filthiness. And if we're not in Christ, there is no other cleansing for sin other than a re total repentance toward Christ and faith in the Lord Jesus. To be born again of the Spirit of God. It's a work of grace. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. But you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Might find yourself as I do. Dirty. Disobedient. Blemished. If I were to walk down the aisle. For the ceremony. It wouldn't look good. And Jesus said live your, live your life in such a way. By living diligently so that you. Not be found with blemishes. And it comes by walking regularly with Jesus. Abiding in Him. You're in union with Christ as a believer. He is your life. I would, I would do another thing and just ask you to hold your breath for three minutes. It wouldn't work very well for most of us, would it? You ever do that when you're going through the Wallace Tunnel? Not during the summer. Right? You're not making it to the other side. But I remember when I was a kid when we went through the old tunnel. You know, that was the thing to try to do. Hold your breath all the way through it. And uh, what happens? And you pass out. You, you can't live without air. And yet we live our Christian lives sometimes as if we can live without regular fellowship with Christ. Our time is gone, but I want to, I, I've got to say one more word before you leave. And it's because it says, at peace. At peace. Uh, notice again the text there, verse 14. Uh, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace peace I don't know about you I'm struggling with being at peace today the world is a changing things are changing culture's changing morality's changing everything seems to be changing right now how can I be at peace I can be at peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ I can be at peace with myself by Philippians 4 tells us, don't worry about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're commanded in the Scripture to be at peace with each other, and the only way we're to do that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us to esteem each other more highly than ourselves and loving each other so that we can be at peace among ourselves and we can be at peace with unbelievers. I thought about not putting that in there. I can't, put, I can't be at peace with the world system, but you know what I can I, as far as it is possible with me to live at peace with all men. And the great thing is you and I can make, be peacemakers and we can make eternal peace 
by sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world needs to know. So I thought about asking these two questions. Are you, are you living diligent to be unashamed at His coming? And then secondly, are you at peace by making peace with others? I think the greater question is not that. But it is, are you in right fellowship with the Prince of Peace? It is with Christ Himself. He's the diligent one. You and I will fail like Peter did in our diligence. But Christ will never fail on any one of His promises. And are you, are you resting in Him? Are you united with Him? Are you meeting with Him? Are you obeying Him? Are you regularly repenting of sin and coming to the, the, to the fountain of cleansing, which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ? And my friend, if not, then you're not having peace. And oh, God wants to give you peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you and I must come and kiss the feet of the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, this day. We're going to give an invitation at our church. It's a public way to acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've never been truly born of the Spirit of God, and you would like to say, I need someone to help me, this is the time for you to come. And we'll have somebody to take an open Bible and help you know how to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. The altar is open. Or you can do it at your seat of saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I need to begin anew. I need to come to the light and I need to be cleansed of my sin. I need to renew my obedience to you as a child of God. Oh God, I need to be in such communion with you and your fellow believers, the church members, so that I'm regularly being encouraged toward Christ then it'll be a time for you to come. It's an old hymn. It says, just as I am, I come. So let's stand together, and I'll be here at the front with Pastor Matthew to encourage you. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God. Uh, two weeks. I won't be here next Sunday. Matthew will be preaching in my stead. and uh, So you have to come back in two weeks to get the second half of the first part of the four parts. And uh, Good to see the Harrises visiting with us today all the way from Minnesota. We are glad you guys are here. Uh, we do have a business session. If you